This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In the mood for something sweet? Then go visit Jolly Cakes at any of their pop-up shops. They offer cupcakes, popcorn, cookies, and cakes in a variety of yummy assortments. They are always out and about in the city during the week and on weekends. To locate them, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Jolly Cakes. Be sure to tell them Shewell Red sent you to get a free cookie with your purchase. Let's get into this shit. And welcome back to another episode of She Well Read. But first, before we get into our usual antics and rambling, let's, <laughs> let's start with a little mini guided meditation. So if you will close your eyes and breathe Unless in. Unless you're driving or something. Yeah, then don't. Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then don't close your eyes. Disclaimer, Keep them if you're doing yes. something that involves vision... Don't, don't follow along <laughs> on this guided meditation. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Breathe in. Okay. And breathe out. Breathe in. And breathe out. Ooh, that second one was deep. Okay, third time's a charm, and breathe in, and breathe out. Okay. All right, it's recording. It's recording, right? Okay. Yeah, we've been going through a lot this evening, you all. Started from the bottom? (laughs) Technically. Literally? Literally, now we're here. It felt like the depths, the pits of the bottom. Yeah, we were in the thick, we were, it was a lot. Anywho, but welcome, I'm Alana. I'm Sam. And today we'll be discussing chapter six of More Than Enough by Elaine Welteroth, and this chapter is entitled Black Enough. Samra, do your thing. Here we go. And it's James Baldwin on the track. The place in which I'll fit will not exist until I make it. Again, that was James Baldwin. Thank you, James. Yeah, you really said it when you said that. Yeah, it it truly set the tone for this chapter. In fact, it did. And with that, I'm going to pull my notes up. While you're pulling your notes up, I'll get us started. (laughs) So in this chapter, we start off. Elaine's just coming off of her breakup with first love. And it's the summer after her sophomore year of college. She remember going to the bathroom to cry and, you know, mourn this breakup. But she sits there on the floor and it's like, eh, I guess I'm over this. Feelings who? 
Where are they? She said, pick up your feelings because I can't seem to find mine. The tears would <laughs> not come to her eyes. She was like, they wouldn't. I'm supposed to be upset, but I mean, not. we know that she's been through hell and back um, with her man, first love. He really put her through the ringer and like melts Elaine for all she's worth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I totally feel her. I wouldn't cry over that man either. Like I would hope I wouldn't at least. You know what I mean? Right, right. I think she's just really just over it. And she's and she even said that she's been over it for quite some time and it's just like now it's official. Over and done with. Mm-hmm. Um But then she goes in, you know, of all the life lessons she learned with him, one of the most pivotal was the foothold that he gave her into the black circle at her high school and a certain type of permission to participate more fully in her black identity. Mm. And I said, I said, oh, we've been after that. I was like, we're about to get in this. We're we're going deep. We're going in there. We're going to get into the thick of it. In the thick of it, part two. Part two. Literally putting that uh, episode in the thick of it. Was that really the last episode's name? It wasn't the last episode, but we do have one that says in the thick of it. Wow. Would you look at that? She stays in the thick of that. I mean, the thing about youth is that I feel like you are like always in the thick of it. Oh, that's tea. Because you're just figuring things out and everything's changing at the same time. So it's like the minute you figure something out, you know, you get the rug slipped from under, out from under you and you just, you don't know anything. (laughs) You literally don't. Right. Like you think everything's together and it's like, psych. Yeah. It's really a learning process. And, you know, as lost as we feel right now, like definitely was more lost when I was, you know, in school, like in grade school, I guess I should yeah. say. Yeah, for sure. And so going back to the, the chapter, she's talking about and so like I can relate to her having black friends that were introduced to me mm. and kept me connected with the other black students whether it had been in high school or college Her. because there was always this kind of like you know I didn't really fit in with the black kids I didn't really fit into the white kids so it was kind of just grabbing a hold of whoever would let me in mm-hmm. and like holding on to that and just like being accepting of it instead of making my own spaces Ooh, wow and I love that you said that yeah because I feel like I didn't really learn how to make my own spaces until a few years ago honestly so like growing up it was just trying to find that space that I fit into not even realizing that I could have just made up my own wow you know what and I think back to like you know, there are kind of like more established cliques and types, things like that. But then there are also people that you're friends with who where you like might not be in the same friend group technically, but you're friends because you connect just on like a personal level and y'all might have had like a class or two together or whatever. And right. like how those friends, 
I feel like you almost don't pursue the relationship sometimes to the fullest extent because you're like, well, how does it work into like what's already the class structure that's already, you know, in place. Like we don't like we're not in the same friend group. So how are we supposed to be friends like that? You know what I mean? And like you don't realize oftentimes that I mean, at least I'm thinking back to my own to my own like high school and middle school experience and like not like you said feeling confident enough and not thinking that that was an option like to just just be yeah it's not it's really not that deep and yeah like you know the idea of like it being so exclusive like friend groups and things like that it's really I think in the moment it feels so serious but it's not it's really not that deep yeah it's really not and also like I've always struggled with you know I always like I've always been a part of multiple like groups if you want to call it that and so a butterfly it would always, if you will yeah so it'd be like different things where it's like oh I want to go do this like which group of friends am I doing it with or oh my birthday's coming will these people all assimilate together and will it not be awkward right and to the point where I was just like I don't really care this is about me well my birthday in particular but like other situations it's like listen if you want to come come if you don't don't like and just <laughs> just be just be yourself and like if you don't necessarily mesh with everyone there but maybe a few people okay cool but like I don't know no that's so always true something. yeah that's always something I've been like eh. I don't know I don't think I was that grown back then like now sure and I'm thinking back to my birthday where there was literally like a friend confrontation where they had like had beef and like they both ended up there because they both knew me and they were just like just straight up like oh I didn't like that thing that you did and you know they resolved it right there you know and it's like yeah that was fucked up like cool and then move on and it's not that you know what I mean it's not always like that and like she okay she goes in and we're on 64 with everybody following along with us she goes into uh the you know the lunch tables and i was like oh gosh here we go and (laughs) she talks about the quote-unquote black tables where you know they're braiding hair having discussions you know just being themselves but like in their like in the black you want to call it the black world Mm -hmm. and I, and I even put in my notes, it was almost like a high school musical moment where, like, stick to the status quo. Yes. And that goes back to not being able to make your own space. Like, you stick to the status quo and everyone wants, like, it's easier. It's just easier to not cross those boundaries. Right, right. And so I could relate to that because it was like, oh, I'm going to sit with these people this day and these people this day and these people this day. Like as to not leave anyone out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the people pleaser in you that wants to be friends with and like keep Mm -hmm. up the relationship, which is so good in one, like when you think about it. But if it's draining you and exhausting you, then, you know, just like, like you said, like, can't we just be and exist and like, 
people are going to come in and out of our lives, especially in high school where it's just like based on your classes and like what you're into and all that. You know what I mean? Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, but I really did enjoy how much she emphasized the importance of the black table, especially at a predominantly white school where, you know, that's the only place where black kids can like drop the code switch shit, you know, Mm -hmm. and like just be themselves and talk about what they want to talk about and not worry about like the white gaze and like how they're going to perceive them as black people. Right, right. Absolutely. It's like a safe space. It truly is. And it's probably a safer space than oftentimes the therapist's office at these high schools, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, you don't actually see me. You just see like my demographic. Right. And, you know, she even goes on to say for me on page 65, for me, entering black spaces required bravely stepping outside of my comfort zone which at the time was represented by my own little cocoon of white and Mexican friends. And she knew better than to bring them along to those predominantly black spaces. And growing up, the black girls generally gave her, you know, chilly stares and made her feel like she was an unwelcome intruder. And I too felt like that. And it wasn't because, you know, I am lighter skinned, but I'm not like mixed or anything. So I'm not that light. But just because of who I hung out with Mm -hmm. was like, oh, I saw her hang out with that white girl or like something else. Or like I was a part of the dance team or the drill team where it was like predominantly white girls on the team. And it's like, I didn't choose that. It just so happened to be. Yeah. Like I always like I was always wanting to hang out with more black people and assimilate myself with more black people. But I was always very, a very unwelcoming vibe and almost like you don't belong with us you hate to see it but no there is that split and divide about like are you black enough and you know that my ass struggled with that as like someone whose parents were african and like literally migrated here and like you know i didn't grow up with black culture and didn't grow up around it and so you know growing up i <laughs> I feel like there's this divide between black people and African people. There's like this beef underlying tension between like, um, you're not like us type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like what you're getting, but to like a different, in a different way. Um, Yeah. On a different scope. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like I remember (laughs) feeling so, um actually like mad on the bus one time everything good happens on the bus right um right so these black kids were making fun of africans (laughs) oh my goodness and like mean shit you know how kids are and like i was like getting so butthurt because i was like that's literally they're talking about my parents like they don't even know that but they are and they're insulting my parents specifically and like i took it way too personally um you know it is funny like the accent is thick and like sometimes it's just like the culture is different like in some ways it's very similar but it's in some ways like i feel like african parents are like way more strict about some things and um you know that makes it hard 
it's like hard to explain that. You know, it shouldn't be hard to explain that, but I guess like growing up being looked at as different or other was not something that I wanted. So like bringing attention to the fact, like, I mean, obviously I talk like, you know, I was like always called Oreo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. You, you, well, people who would call us because I was called an Oreo too, would say it's like, Oh, you quote unquote talk white when talking white, like that's like you're, you talk proper. You talk. Right. I was about to say, I was about to say talk white, but I didn't even want to say that because like, it just doesn't even make sense. Like it doesn't because it's assigning, uh, a race to a certain way that you talk it, which mm-hmm. like doesn't it doesn't even make sense but it was like that was the cop out to just call you an oreo for sure for because sure you talk differently and then at that point like it's like do i tell do i explain my whole heritage and then there's some people that are like where are you from because you're not like other black people and like that distinction and that right. was super weird too you know Right. That's like when I moved from New Orleans to Houston, I had an accent. Like I had a New Orleans accent. And at first, we love yes. it. I mean, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I honestly, I miss my accent so much. Um, but, you know, I used to say like orange and people would be like orange. And yeah. I'd be like, and I'd be like yeah, like but you like, can't win. Right. And now that I speak more proper and like don't have my accent anymore it's still an issue so it's like it's literally never enough yeah if you're trying to please people with that shit like you just never will be happy you know what i mean and like for me it didn't even come up from just pleasing people like you know you pick up on things when you're around a certain type of people that's so true and so that's what i picked up on that's why my accent switched because i switched environments that's so true and that's not a, to any fault of my own, but it was almost like people who would call me Oreo or like you act white or whatever, whatever, would make it my fault. Be oh, like, for sure. You're problematic because you're not black. <laughs> you're problematic. Totally. They make you feel problematic when in reality, it's the other way around. And, you know, in reality, like in actuality, they are being ignorant, like truly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But as a kid you just don't understand these things so it's like you end up feeling bad about something right because like I was bullied so much with the name Oreo like it really affected me and Mm. it's and it's still triggering to this day Mm -hmm. and like I would like I had to talk about it in therapy like it was that bad um because it was like I just longed for this sense of belonging and like constantly being torn down with that word Mm -hmm. it's almost it's almost like um the n-word but like in a different sense yeah and so and when I hear other black people say it I'm just like you don't but you don't even understand the gravity of what you're saying yeah totally totally I mean it's just I feel like it's insulting to black people and white people alike (laughs) right because it's like what is that supposed to mean right what the let me not (laughs) we could we could go through a whole thing but bottom line stop saying it yeah um but yeah 
I mean, I guess what 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 more is there to say about about that? You know, I think we covered it all. Yeah, I feel like at, the, at some point we'd be beating a dead horse, but um, I think, and I think it's something that a lot of a lot more people face than will own up to it, mm-hmm. and it's more common than we might think. I feel like you're always going to be the Oreo in one group. Put yourself in one gr- like you know what I mean, like. <laughs> Okay, and also I just wanted to point out that I would be, I would have to defend my blackness to white people and I literally think about that sometimes and cringe because it's just so messed up and the amount, like the times have changed so significantly because the things that were said to me in my youth would never be said to me today right like that wouldn't right. slide <laughs> i mean right. they would be on national television or something you know what i mean right but go back to when you were saying you'd be always be the oreo of a group like technically you're always going to be the whitest person in some group you know even if you take the blackest person in like hoover high school and put them in compton okay all of a sudden, you're the fucking Oreo. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's There's just like-, like a comparison thing. It's like I'm blacker than you, so you're the Oreo in this situation. But it's like, you know? Oh, yes. Okay. Get I see your what ass. You're fucking in Hoover High School. Nobody here is hood. Okay? Like, you know what I mean? Who are right. you to think fit to me? Who are you to define that? We live to on me? the same street same thing zip code okay you know what i mean <laughs> Woo, we getting heated in here <laughs> i'm taking it to therapy i was about to say to church but i'm taking it to, all the way to therapy yes no, i was speaking but... of therapy life update can i give you a little life update yeah did you go no bro okay well finally we had the appointment but i immediately i was gonna wait till the end of my session but i immediately like it just word vomited out of me and I was like I think I want to see a new therapist (laughs) yeah and I finally had that conversation with my current therapist about how I've been really wanting to talk about or talk to someone who you know is a female preferably even a black female would be super dope And I just thought that that was like going to be a near impossible thing and I should just be lucky I'm getting free therapy. I was like, I'm not trying to mess anything up because somehow I have it like for free right now and that's Mm -hmm. never the case, never been the case. Um, And I was like, I'm just so lucky to be in this position and I shouldn't like shake things up. And the minute I said that, my therapist was like, I'm so glad you opened up to me and told me that like we don't want you to feel like that's the opposite of what therapy is supposed to be and he made me feel so comfortable and was like it's not even gonna take that long two weeks max and you're gonna have a new therapist and I said it was that easy man it'd be that anxiety gets you every time I know because I've been dreading this call y'all for like three months now yeah, I, I know. and But, like, can relate because my anxiety, like, it's, like, simple tasks mm-hmm. that 
like you could get done in two seconds that like you work up in your head for so long and then like once it's over you're like huh that was easier than I thought it would be the amount of time that I spent stressing it's like I could have just had it over with you know but but again anxiety be like right that should honestly be be a whole segment anxiety be like somebody put that on a t-shirt we should put that on a t-shirt merch plug merch plug honestly basic is a slow fashion shop based in downtown birmingham their team sources ethically made clothing from indie designers working within transparent supply chains and the folks who made the items they stock were paid a living wage for their labor as a human-centric brand focused on fostering progress and inclusivity in the deep south their clothing and their content are intended to educate elevate and engage they believe that business can and should be better so with the help of their customers they give five dollars of every sale to the southern poverty law center and the human rights watch you can shop basic at abasicshop.com and use our coupon code SHEWELLRED20 for 20% off your purchase. That's SHEWELLRED20 at checkout. Okay, but back to the book. <laughs> back to what we were talking about. Back to Elaine's story. She yes. is trying to step into the black scene without yeah. her black boyfriend who made her yes. feel also black right 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 but i kind of want to take it back for a second to when she her mom would send her and her brother to their cousin's house every summer because she wanted them immersed more like people like them and there was this one time they went and there was this girl they were playing outside on this trampoline we're on page 66 for those of you following along they're playing on outside on this trampoline in this girl they could they could spot two girls riding bicycles and they got excited and she was like oh my gosh finally girls that i can play with do 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 and then instead <laughs> of like coming to like hang out with them mm-hmm. one of the girls hollered and was like uh mark her cousin why are you hanging with that white girl mm. and they pointed in their direction and like she remembers it instinctively. She was like laughing along with them. And she was like, white girl, where, where is she? Where is that white girl? And then she hears her cousin say, man, shut, y'all shut the hell up. That's my cousin. She ain't no white girl. <laughs> and then her cousin's reaction confirmed that indeed she was said white girl. And they were pointing <laughs> at her and it stung. Ooh, hey, yeah. You hate to be called white in this climate. I love being black. Don't mistake me for being white. I refuse. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I'm black, black on black, black on blackity, black on black. If you hadn't heard here first, Samra is black. <laughs> Hashtag stay black. I'm weak. No, but yeah. that that is that hurts. As a kid, that's something you yeah. don't forget. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> she put it in the book right made the whole book you know honestly when she like points these people out i'm wondering like do they read this book and be like yikes that was me <laughs> right sometimes i wonder that about our podcast 
Okay. And so she just continues to go on about the feeling of otherness and, you know, like, because, like, she's a biracial kid, but, you know, she might be perceived as, like, she looks more white to some people. Like you were saying, she looks more white to some people, but to some people she looks more black. It just depends on who you're around. So true. And, okay, so this, okay, next is when 67 is when she's talking about in junior high, like she met her six lifelong best friends Ooh. and they have a sleepover mm-hmm. and at this sleepover, this triggering event happens where one of the girls says, go get me some water. And then another girl who is white says, what? No. What do I look like? Your N word. Yeah. I don't even say it. I and I don't like. I don't saying like the it. hard R. I don't like the hard R. And even when I hear other Black people saying it with the hard R, I'm like, no, like, and and there's this whole thing about reclaiming the word, and I'm like, but it still means something so negative. Why would we want to reclaim that word? But anywho, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's right. a whole different thing. But in this moment, she's surrounded by all these, you know, girls that. None, I think she's the only black girl in this group um, to mm-hmm. my understanding mm-hmm. and they and like immediately the girl like realizes what she did like profusely starts apologizing and Elaine is very gracious because she's like I know this girl like th- she's this is a product of where she was raised this is not a product of her because she says I know who she is and I know that this does not represent her mm-hmm. and I think that is something to to a degree you have to point out in situations like this especially Um, since she knows her so well yeah right and she was like she was raised you know deep south louisiana town like on her dad's side this is something that was probably the norm for sure when she where she grew up it's kind of like that learning point that you have to have yeah Um, and i know that like people from the south understand that but like i can see someone from the north being like what you know i don't get that but like seriously there are some rural rural parts that's such a hard word it is um but there are some rural rural parts of like alabama georgia mississippi they don't get internet like they are not up to date on the times there is just deep rooted racism and if you're not exposed to progressive ideas and educated you know what i mean like right there is like i feel like some grace that we have to have and you know i don't think you have to have it really actually you know i'm gonna rephrase but like it is i think that the benefit of the doubt is oftentimes it's just good for those types of situations right because you could argue that in this day and age with the black lives matter movement and all of all of the learning that we've done over the past few months or almost a year now oh my goodness Mm -hmm. where it's been prevalent news media cycles about this and about how you need to educate yourself and need to better understand but there are still going to be those times where there are people like you said who don't and you might have to do like a little and and it's also not the job of every black person to give you a black history lesson it's not you can do your own research but I feel like personally i don't mind giving a little blurb and being like hey this is why this is wrong and i'm gonna tell you why Mm -hmm. yeah and just leave it at that 
Yeah, I feel like usually I'm I'm in a good mood and I'll do that, but like, you know, there's some moments where, especially situationally, like if it's someone who I know is just like, they're not gonna see the light, mm-hmm. it's like don't I don't even bother because I'm like I don't even what's the <laughs> it's just gonna we're not gonna leave this room happy and... right like it, it's just not you it's not you who's gonna change that person's heart because at in the thick of it like that's what it is it's changing people's hearts mm, yeah and I think a lot of the times that has to come from a white person right or you know who knows what that like aha moment looks like but it's not our jobs to find it for them oh yeah that's a great way to put that mm-hmm. um well all i was gonna say is that i have been in situations like elaine was not this exact situation thank god um because i don't know how i would have handled that um but i have had like low-key racist things said to me a lot you know like microaggressions obviously but like my best friends were all white in high school middle school high school for the most part Mm -hmm. um and like the core group of people that i hung out with on like a day-to-day basis whatever were white and so like southern baptist white people and i think it's amazing that elaine was able to stay friends with these people and like that they were this solid friend group um but i just like i didn't have that same experience because so many things were said to me that i like just can't erase in my mind and like being in a better place in school once I moved on from Hoover and went to college, found friends who like loved me and like appreciated me for who I truly was. It was just such a stark contrast and difference when I hung out with my old high school friends. And I say old because it really felt old. It felt stagnant, like they hadn't changed. And I don't know if it's just because like perspective wise, I had changed so much that their growth just did not like look the same as mine, you know? But I almost felt like Mm -hmm. they became more themselves and I became like so different. And so hanging out was like, I almost had to become who I used to be in order to fit Mm their like idea of who I was and it was just it was not it at all because <laughs> I did it for a little bit like you know when you go home on Christmas break summer break whatever whatever obviously you're like I want to chop it up with my high school buddies and like you know gang gang whatever right but <laughs> it was just so not what I was expecting And it was not fulfilling anymore. And so I, unfortunately, I mean, I don't think I handled it very well. I definitely just kind of like dipped and like, you know, I kind of ghosted in a sense. And Mm -hmm. I did not like have any type of closure, but I almost felt like there's so much history. I've seen too much. Anything that I say at this point is going to be like awkward as hell. And I was like, I think it's better that we just leave it at that. And I feel like, we'll all remember the good memories and like we don't have to bring 
bad memories into this at the end. So I guess I was like, you know, good or bad, it's what I did. But it really sucks to have to deal with that, you know? Yeah, yeah, like in general. Yeah, just in general. Like, why is race? I mean, why is race? Period. Why is race? Right. Okay. Next. What's I'm going in. Into- I'm going into like 7071 territory because okay. this this definitely hit home for me. So Elaine's story, she's going into college her freshman year and she has her roommate. It's um her name is Megan. She says she's a bubbly white girl from a military family. And she relates a lot to Megan. And they start to become friends with other people on their hall and you know, more white girls. Okay. And it just reminded her of, you know, what she was used to hanging out with predominantly white people. And she felt very comfortable, Mm -hmm. but she didn't want to. Mm. She wanted to, like, kind of ditch that part of herself and, like, Mm -hmm. be more intentional about intentional about hanging out with more black people and I felt the exact same thing coming to college it was like fresh start Mm -hmm. I can really intentionally try and like almost change myself to what I what I perceived that black people wanted from me to Mm. assimilate with them and you know to be accepted yeah in that sense And I think that a lot of people have that idea coming into college. You know, it's almost like this dream of like, I get to start over somewhere away from all these people. I mean, unless you go to a state school and everybody follows you there, cough, cough, Auburn, um, (laughs) for Hoover at least, like basically it's just Hoover part two um, because everyone just moved their ass down three hours down south. Anyway off topic um a lot of people have that idea whether it's like moving across the country moving to the dream city that you've always wanted to live in like you're we all dream of reinventing ourselves or whatever right and i um i think that what you said about being intentional is so important because sometimes it doesn't come naturally to like fit in with this group of people that is actually your people (laughs) right you know and no one tells you that it's supposed to be easy it's just like you just assume that it's gonna be something that comes naturally but if it doesn't at a certain point like I love that you and Elaine both took the initiative and were like nah like this is on me at a certain point like I can't blame anybody else and I can't put you know, I can't put the blame on anyone but myself because I'm not inserting myself and taking up the space. Um, right. And a bit, I mean, on the flip side of that, like, at the same time, like, it's it's almost not our jobs to do that because we're trying to penetrate something that doesn't want to be penetrated. We're trying to <laughs> bust that bubble that people don't want us to bust at the same time. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's one thing to say that we're being intentional about it, mm-hmm. but it's another thing to say how hard we had to be about it to be accepted. Well, yeah, I mean, that is true. There should not be barriers to entry and you shouldn't have to prove yourself. Um, right. But I feel like they don't necessarily, like black people, 
I'm speaking for black people as a whole, I guess, in this scenario. Um, they don't necessarily... I feel like we're all just very resistant to change and new things. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's not that they don't like want you there, even though it feels like that from the outside looking in. Like, I think that it's just like, they're not... It's just a different dynamic, I think, than hanging out with white people. And so I totally feel you because I was used to being, like Elaine said, being the token black girl. Like, that was just a role I was comfortable playing. And so, you know, to someone else, that role would not have been another black person. They'd be like, this feels wrong and, like, weird and I don't know how to maneuver it. But I could do it with ease. But like, you know, the other flip side to what you're saying is like, it's basically like, you know, you see me hang out with you're black and you see me hang out with one white person or say that I'm friends with one white person or however many white people it is like, oh, like she hangs out with those white people when it's like, you don't know who all I hang out with. You're just assuming based off of that one instance. So you're already prejudging me. And that's where the barrier to entry comes from, because they'll take that one instance and that defines you. Mm. I mean, I guess I feel like it's so many things, though, because it's like the way you talk, the way you dress. There's so many things that are involved in like being black, you know, Mm -hmm. all the all the facets of blackness that, you know, if you don't like reach a certain expectation, it's like right if you don't check enough boxes. So it may be that one thing like maybe hanging out with a white girl like pushed you over the edge but like hopefully they're not judging like you're they're not writing you off completely because you know I hung out with a white person and I'm hanging right. out with white people and like right I mean it could I have like been white a people okay like, right we vibe like, or whatever they're cool sometimes I like to go outside and do nature things and camp okay right like I mean I've always been the type I like hanging out with a diverse group of people I don't I've never been one to hang out with one particular group of people and call it a rap and I think that's also something very different because there's some black people who are like I'm only gonna hang out with black people and it may not be intentional wow it may just be like that's who you that's who you feel comfortable with I feel comfortable with having a diverse group of friends Mm -hmm. and it's just like being accepting of that Yes, that's so true because we love to pass judgment on the way other people are living their lives. Right. And I've gotten to the point where it's like, I don't need your acceptance. I'm black. I'm proud. And I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. Like, I don't care if this is not a black activity for you. And like, that's not like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry Mm -hmm. if I'm not representing you well, but like, I'm still black and I'm still going to do this. (laughs) Right. And like, yeah, exactly. Right. We got it. The thing is, like, we should be supporting each other. I think that that is like. That's the core. Actually, that is brainwashing by the white man, in my opinion. Like us nitpicking each other when we should be looking at the oppressor. Like that is such like learned behavior that it's no coincidence that it's a part of our culture today it was manifested by you know slave owners and slavery just 
our country's history all of right. the things right so it is a lot of unlearning of like ignorant behaviors and you know there's so much that we don't know until we read and learn more that <laughs> you just gotta stay well read you know what i mean all right or something something we know about you know i don't know it's maybe just the idea behind our podcast right you know just just a little something just reading (laughs) (laughs) okay um but lastly wrapping up this chapter elaine tells us this story of you know she's made these new friends and she's going to um, a quote-unquote white party and so she brings another black girl with her so that she's not this token black girl like there's somebody else who can experience this with her Mm -hmm. and there's this moment where she walks through the door and this dude this white guy spills his drink on her and she's like you know watch where you're going and or you know she's like excuse you and he's like watch where you going you f word n word and it it was like a major slap in the face and she looks over and the white girls are mid squat ass cheeks out peeing on the front lawn laughing in the safety of their own world where she's like i couldn't even walk across this lawn in daylight without somebody saying something Mm. and like knowing her place and she's like you know thankfully this is in in this instance when it happens she wasn't alone Mm -hmm. and her her friend that she brings ashley says you know let's get out of here and it made her feel safer and this paragraph I, i really really liked it she says this is on page 73 up until that moment i had been looking at blackness like it was a party I didn't get the invite to like it was a dance someone forgot to teach me but that night I learned that as much as it is our shared history and a pride in our culture that connects us being part of the black experience is being bonded by the painful and sometimes violent experience of exclusion all the time I'd spent thinking I had to maneuver out of the grip of whiteness was just an illusion you can never be stuck in a world you never belong to oh my god that last that last sentence just hits it hits different it truly does it really does because i never even looked at it like that like you could never be stuck in a world you were never supposed to belong to you were never and that's my thing is like you know (laughs) i don't think it's necessarily wrong for a black person Like, it's not, like, not even necessarily wrong. Like, it's not wrong for a Black person to have only white friends, but I just know my own experience, and I know that I did not feel fully loved and accepted by any friend until I had a a friend that was my race, like, Black in America. You know what I mean? Because of those those uniquely shared experiences that we have. That's when I felt more comfortable when I gained more black friends when I got to college and you know I even wrote that in my notes when she was talking about white parties versus black parties in college we literally Sarah, we literally lived through that it was like going to El Sol or a frat house versus going to like Levels or Lux or some other club oh for sure um, the dress code is different the music's different the, the atmosphere is different yeah. it's like, all different it is a whole it's two the, that's that's like if I hadn't had black friends and I had only hung out with white people, I would have experienced college in only one, like, it's just crazy that you can have two completely different college experiences based on what Greek organization that you belong to. 
Mm, that is something else. And, you know, and I don't like we had a great time at and for everyone who doesn't live in Birmingham, El Sol is a club that all of the primarily white fraternities and sororities had their parties at. We had a great time. It was great. And, you know, we, had some, we were on we, the, we were on the stage, bro. Like, right. We had good <laughs> times. We had a great time. We met great people. We so you know, it, friends. So many friends were made. College and, is a time. Right. And the same thing happened when we went to quote unquote black parties at, you know, clubs and this place called Levels and Lux and that is was fun too. And I got to shake my ass in a whole new way. (laughs) (laughs) It was just two different experiences, but one was not like more better or worse. Right. Like we equally had, you know, mishaps at both types of parties. It was a shit show completely. No matter where we went. (laughs) Right. But it was a great, it was a a great time. We had a great time. The common thread was a grat, grat Tim's were had. (laughs) Right. So I just, yeah. I felt you. And it, it totally, okay. So do you remember that one party where we were with, not only do we bring our crew, but we brought our little male friend group crew to a white party and our male friends just so happened to be black. Yes, I remember. I remember. And we were turned around at the door. We did not even make it in. And I I don't know. I don't know if if like our white friends were in front of us and they got in. And like we were. I just remember me being intoxicated, um, crying. Like I started to cry. I was like, remember this is a this is like like this like racism alert. Like I was like, this is. 2019 whatever year it was i was like looking around like is this really happening in at my big age am i being excluded from something because i'm black are you no i remember i remember but i think it was deep i because i remember getting in with some of our white friends before y'all and so like some of us had made it in and y'all were stuck y'all were behind with the guys and it was when the guys were there that y'all didn't get in and i and i always look back at that situation and i'm not sure completely if it was because y'all were black or because you were with black men or because you were with guys in general and they were just trying to let all the girls in that from that situation i because I wasn't out there when it happened. You weren't out there. But I want to say that there were white men being let in. Now they could be in the frat. You know, I don't know all the details. So you're right. There's so many things that were at play. But in that moment, I was like, we are not let getting in because we are with black guys. And I was like, these are my friends. What What is the problem? You know what I mean? It's like, I know them, so why can't y'all just let us in? And I was just like, this is so messed up. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, in that moment, I was like, <laughs> I just felt like, again, like she kind of felt how the black struggle was so real in that moment. I was like, what the, like, this is. Right. Like, come like let so us pray. <laughs> right. Thing. Like, yeah, like it's just so wrong. You don't even know what to do. Right. Yeah. Right. 
right <laughs> i i do remember that though it was it was a whole thing and here i am i got it i was like doo, 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 doo. like let's go let's have fun and then i'm crying racism outside like i'm calling right. the cops y'all getting shut down you know what i mean like i'm losing was, my mind and everyone's like calm down it was a whole it was a whole thing i literally put in my notes i stay drunk crying because i really do i do. i don't cry like i really don't be crying for real in real life but if i'm drunk unless it's about being broke all bets are off you know <laughs> it's been a minute since i've had a broke cry but it comes around every so often and i'm sure it'll be coming depending on how this tax season goes <laughs> i don't even want to think about it we're like, here sis I'm like, hey, new tax bracket. But I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm finna owe. <laughs> hey, I mean, good problems, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Taxes are never really a taxes, good problem. They're stupid. But anywho, let's not go on a whole rant about taxes. This is a um, tax podcast. It's not. It's not. Uh, and we can't even point you in the direction of one that is but you know if you find one let us know uh, <laughs> plug. right I'm, I'm gonna do it in a minute okay the way I was looking at Lana was so <laughs> expectant and she said I know what you're thinking I know exactly what's supposed to happen right now but I'm gonna wait a second because I think just the recap of this chapter is you never have to tr you never have to prove to anyone how insert race enough you are wow. to be associated with said race because you know that's our black experience of not mm -hmm. feeling black enough but there could be so many others mm -hmm. that we're just we're not exposed to because that's not our race and i would love to hear and i know Al alana's gonna plug it but like please seriously like send us your stories I would love to read some on here in, in maybe a segment, some something like that. Right, we can keep it. We can keep it completely anonymous too. Yeah. But yes, we'd love to hear your stories at all the things. Vent. Uh, Vent yeah. to us. Yes, you can DM us on all social medias. You can email us at shewellreadqa at gmail.com. You can even send us a letter to our PO box, which link in bio on everything. We love our theme song and want to put you on. If you need someone who can edit and mix audio, create background music for podcasts, or even soundtrack music for movies and TV shows, Taylor, aka Top Notch, is your guy. Not only can he mix audio, but he can create your next hit within his in-home studio. If you're looking for more info, you can contact Taylor at his email, topnotch, that's spelled T-O-P-N-O-T-C-H dot U-M-C-U-L-O at gmail.com. That's topnotch dot U-M-C-U-L-O at gmail.com. So, until then, though, we're going to sign off. Um, next week, or the next time this an episode gets released, we'll be discussing Chapter 7. And we'll be talking about some hair. Some hair that we may be familiar with. Oh, hair. Hair. We love hair. I do enjoy inches. <laughs> so, until then, I'm Alana. I'm Samra. This has been another episode of She Well Read, and we'll see you next time. And peace. Bye.
Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SheWellRead to stay in the loop. Also, be sure to send us listener letters, fan mail, or PR to our new P.O. Box, 1725 Gardendale, Alabama, 35071. And remember, if you have anything to add, comment, suggest, feedback, send it all to SheWellRedQA at gmail.com or post about it in our Facebook group. And for any business inquiries or collabs, send us an email to SheWellRed at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe, download, and leave a review for today's episode. We love you and stay well read. Bye! Bye.